You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. I want to speak this morning just to bounce off the song that we have just been singing called He is the Good, Good Father. God is a good, good father. Whatever you are going through right now, he is a good, good father and will always be. When Caleb left school, uh, he, he did a number of courses, he did a number of different things. He wasn't just quite sure what he wanted to do. And I'm so glad that now when kids do the HSC, that you no longer have to know exactly what you're going to be doing. There are different pathways to end up where you want to go. So eventually, after a couple of years of him trialling a few different things, he decided that he really wanted to do something in the community and particularly within the emergency services. So he put his application together to become a paramedic and he went through all those stages and he got the all clear. And he was absolutely delighted that that was going to happen. Now, that would have been, you know, about the November um, in, the, in this particular year. He got his start date, which was March. So, you know, what do you do about that? That's fine. Will you just keep going? He was in a job that he wasn't enjoying at all, and it was fairly boring and mundane. However, he needed something to, you know, earn money, as you do. But he heard somewhere along the grapevine that there was a course that was beginning in February. So that was like a month earlier than the start date that he had received. And so because he wasn't terribly enjoying what he was doing, he decided that he would put all his effort into getting into the earlier due date. Surely somebody would drop out of that class. Surely something would take place that he would be able to move from March back into the February start that date. Anyway, he rang up and it was a definite no. He came in another way. It was a definite no. He was wanting to be on standby. If anybody, anybody drops out at the last minute, if someone doesn't show on the first day, please just let me know because he wanted to definitely start early. He was pushing. He was trying absolutely every angle because he wanted out of where he was and he wanted to step into where he was going. Well, despite all the frustration and because he was a single man living at home, we sort of copped it all. It was sort of like one of those, he couldn't understand why uh, all of these things just weren't falling into place. Anyway, March arrived and he stepped out, he started his paramedic training and he just thoroughly enjoyed it. So let's fast forward over those months and uh, within that two-year period, he and Madeline had decided to get married. And so they became engaged and it was the due date of their wedding was really dependent on where he would be sent as a paramedic because you get sent. Even though once you go, you can apply to go to different stations, it's all dependent on where you were sent to begin with. So anyway, he's sort of keeping his fingers crossed, he's praying, he's asking God to send him somewhere close to Newcastle 
which, by the way, is a near impossibility. It just doesn't happen when you're in Sydney. There are so many other places around the state of New South Wales that need more paramedics at this point in time than what Newcastle does. Anyway, so he was hoping and hoping and hoping. Well, the news came out. He was going to be stationed at Blacktown. That wasn't a problem. Okay, Sydney, you can do Sydney, that's okay. Every other person that started the course in February went out west. Like, I mean way, way, way out west. All of a sudden, the pennies dropped. He was so pleased that nobody had dropped out in February because that's where he was headed. He was headed out west a whole lot further than what he would have wanted now in a relationship, now with, you know, being engaged, the whole deal. So he was living his life, praying and asking God to lead him. And when God led him, but that leading was through a shut door at that time, There was frustration and a sense of not understanding what God was doing. Have you ever been there? Have you ever tried to rattle that door? You just want out from where you are. You know what is the best plan for your life, but there is absolutely no way that that door is budging. Well, I want to tell you this morning that that is actually an answer to your prayers because you've asked God to direct your paths, and he is. And he's not giving in to you simply because emotionally you need this now. He's saying you might need this or you may feel that this is the best plan for you right now, but God looks at our whole picture our whole life and he's saying but down here you will be wishing you will be regretting you'll be angry at me because that door opened I just let that door open and it should have stayed shut there's a scripture in Colossians 1 4 and uh Let me just read this to you. It's from the Amplified Bible. So if you've got in another version, it'll be much shorter. And this is Paul speaking to the church of Colossae. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the leaning of your entire human personality on him in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness, and of the love which you have and show for all the saints, God's consecrated ones. Just want to draw your attention to the first part of that verse where Paul is saying that he has heard of their faith and the, he is describing faith using the definition of faith as the leaning of your entire human personality. So that's our thoughts, our words, our actions. So faith is leaning our entire human personality, our thoughts, words and actions on him, that's on God, in absolute trust and confidence, regardless of what's going on, 
on his power, on his wisdom and his goodness. So let me just put that another way. So that's leaning our entire personality the way God made you on God's power and ability to do what needs to be done in your life. God's power and ability to do what needs to be done in your life. God's wisdom and knowledge to do it when it needs to be done. That's all about the timing and I think it's the timing that we struggle in most because really we are a generation that wants things done now. God's wisdom and knowledge to do it when it needs to be done and God's goodness and love to do it how it needs to be done. So we can have a plan, but the way God wants to actually activate in, that li- in our lives, it's got his goodness and love all over it. It doesn't have necessarily the way we think that it should be done. And so if we are going to have faith like the church in Colossae, if we're going to have faith like that where our whole entire personality is leaning and trusting in God, then we need to know who God is. We need to have a clear picture of who we're trusting in because when we say that we trust somebody, it's because of what we know about them. It's not just, well, you know, John here, you just need to trust him because he's a trustworthy worthy person. It's like, well, who's John? What does John do? How can I know that for sure? You have to know about a person before you can actually leave your money with them, leave your children with them, leave the keys to your house with them. You would want to know more than just the name, wouldn't you? So what is your picture of God? Because that will all depend on how much you can trust him with your life. So God is loving. Now, he's loving whether you are in a good mood or not. He's loving. He's a good, good God that doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. God is not two-faced. He doesn't say, yes, I love you, and then turn around to the angels and say, they are just the biggest bore on earth. Like, he is not two-faced. When he says that he loves you, when he says that he is good, then we can trust in that completely. He is trustworthy. The word tells us that he will watch over all that we entrust to him. He is kind. He is just. Nobody can mistreat you and get away with it. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Isn't that like something you think, yeah, yeah, that's the God I want. Yeah, you mistreat me and God's going to get you back. God doesn't miss a thing. God is just. And justice will always prevail. Always. He cannot lie. He cannot say one thing. He cannot promise you one thing in the word and then go against that. He cannot, he cannot lie. He has also said that all things will work together in our lives according to his plan and purpose. So once again in Romans 8, 
just got that up on the screen, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labour, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. So when you say, I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to have God in my life, everything in your life will work together for good, even though at this particular point in time you may wonder how on earth that is actually going to take place. Who is the God that you have a picture of? Do you think that he's angry? Do you think that he just pushes you to the side? Do you think that he is only interested in you when you are good or when you are doing the right thing? The God of the Bible tells us even when we least deserve it, God's love is still unconditionally poured out upon our lives. Always, always, never ending. It's always, always there. And so when we find ourselves in a situation where we are just wondering what is taking place, like that it's just life is not as we had planned. When you keep applying for jobs diligently, but nothing is opening up. When you are doing all that you can, when you applied for that promotion and you know that you've got all the skills that they need, you know that this is your job, you just know, but you miss out. Somebody else gets the job and as far as you're concerned, they don't have the qualifications that you have. How about when you, you are trusting God for a baby and it's like just nothing seems to be happening. I want to tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life that stretches further than this moment. You know, you might like a baby right now, but in five years' time when they go to school, there may be somebody that you need to connect with. But if you get the timing wrong, just maybe, maybe it's not going to work. God's timing is always, always perfect. It's always perfect. I think I just said that wrong. In fact, I'm sure I am, but I think you might have got what I I meant. You know, God's timing is always, always correct. Every step of the way of your life, he has been with you. He has been for you. So those doors that you are banging on, those prayers that you are praying those, those tears that you have cried because you were asking God to please do something. In those moments, he is for you. You are on his radar. He wants the very, very best for you and he's leading you towards that moment. As I read in the scriptures it becomes more and more clear that I think his best work is done within us in the in-between times. However, those times are often the hardest to go through because we have a plan and a purpose for our life and we want it to work out a certain way 
but God doesn't open those doors. It says in Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24, it says, The steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord, and he delights in their way and blesses his path. When he falls, he will not be hurled down, because the Lord is the one who upholds his hand and sustains him. Your steps are ordered of the Lord. Do you trust God with your steps? Do you trust him? I know it's like we want to be on in an elevator where we just sort of go up to floor 63 and we've arrived and we've made it, but God is a God that takes us step by step by step. The Bible tells us in Psalm that his word is a light to our path. He, it's to our path. It's not a big booming light that sort of takes us off into the distance. It's actually for our path. What is up ahead, step by step by step. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? So... In Habakkuk 3.19, it says, The Lord God is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hinds feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. So once again, you see in this scripture, it's walking we are walking, we're not running, we're not taking off and we're definitely not standing still. As we walk, he is with us. And if you also see, it's that it's upon my high places of trouble, suffering or responsibility. God is with us in the big areas of trouble and suffering he is walking alongside of us. He is guiding our steps when difficulties take place in our life. And he is also walking with us in responsibility. What's responsibility? Responsibility is the mundane. It's the ordinary things in life. And yet he is still with us step by step, step by step in all of those situations. When Caleb was born... Caleb was born with club feet. Marty and I, or Marty was the assistant pastor out in Dubbo uh, with Arden Burrell. It was the most wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And so when Caleb was born with club feet, it was just the most unexpected situation that we found ourselves in. Now, if you were expecting that God was going to work in your life according to having the right combination, according to having the right plan. So what I mean by that is, okay, so if you're praying, if you're reading the Bible, if you're obeying God and you're walking in his way, so, you know, you would think that the combination goes, dick, 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 yes, you will always have a blessed life, everything will turn out right, absolutely everything, everything will be sunshine and roses because you've got the combination right. 
But God doesn't work like that. There's no combination. We like to sort of just sort of put in so that, okay, if we can work God out and the way that he answers prayers, if we've got this guarantee, if I do this, this and this, then I'll get my answer. Uh, It's just not like that. And many, many, many of you know that, that there's no combination to the doing anything because what God gives us he gives us when we don't even deserve it. It's not according to the combination of as long as I'm doing everything right because the door doesn't open then and sometimes the door opens when we least deserve the blessing that he bestows upon us. And so when Caleb was born, um, I'm not sure if you all know what club feet or how that sort of looks on a little baby but... Um, So like if your feet are like that, this is the front part of your foot. So he was born with basically his feet turned around the wrong way. And if he hadn't had surgery, then he would be walking on the tops of his feet, but they would be pointing the other way around. So his diagnosis was severe club feet. And I just remember when... I came out of the anaesthesia and Marty's standing alongside of me and, you know, we've got a baby boy and it's just absolutely wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And he says, oh, but there's a little problem that will just need to be sorted. And uh, then I find out and, you know, like I'm sort of thinking, God, how does this work? Like we're pastors, we're laying our lives out for you. Like God, you know, like... I know that there is a lot worse. Don't get me wrong. Like, don't hear me say, you know, like we shouldn't. It should have been someone else. I'm, I'm not saying that. But, you know, in your mind, emotionally, it's sort of hard to sort of try and work it all out. And you sort of, I think, well, I just don't know how this happened. Suddenly it's like you're a good, good father. Yeah, you know, I don't know about that. Anyway, so Caleb needed three operations. And I found that Habakkuk 3.19 was our testimony. It became our story. That God was our strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He made my feet steady and sure. He made me walk forward with spiritual confidence through places of challenge and responsibility. Do you know how difficult it is when you take a baby home and I don't know, like Caleb's 28 now, so things I'm sure are done differently, but they were trying to pull his little feet around into the right place. And so what they would do three times a week, I would take him to the physio and they would, ha- they would strap his legs. He'd be screaming the whole time because, you know, like really, if that's your arm, you don't want your arm like in that position, do you? So it, they were trying to put his feet in a totally unnatural position. And so he would scream and take him home screaming. He would scream all the time that he was at home. And then he would have a little sleep and then he would scream the rest of the time. Then I'd take him back and we would have those bands made even tighter on his little feet so that hopefully the muscles or whatever was going to totally stretch and just respond and hopefully not need surgery. Well, that didn't happen. But let me tell you, God was there. He sustained us. 
Was it easy? It was jolly, jolly hard. It was awful. For those of you who know what a screaming baby just constantly sounds like in your home, it's unbearable. And you think things that you would never think to do to your baby, but you just want some peace. But God, was he there? Had he turned his back on us? No, he was there. He sustained us every step. And we had our spotlight out one step at a time. We weren't running. We couldn't run. We had no energy with just one step at a time. When Caleb was nine weeks, he had his first major operation where his little feet were put into the right position. It was amazing. We were out in Dubbo. And so we got referred to this specialist. And this specialist went overseas to the Solomon Islands every year to do this exact same operation on all little boys and girls that had the same condition over there. What are the chances of a specialist who goes and does that operation overseas being in Dubbo? Wouldn't you think he'd be in one of the capital cities somewhere? But no, he was just down the road. I don't even know that we would have had the energy to have gotten to a capital city at that particular point in time. But when we were in Bible college, there was the call out to Dubbo. So there we are. We're in Dubbo. We have a baby in Dubbo. We need, now we need a specialist who's in Dubbo. God ordering our steps. One step after another, after another, after another. I don't know what you're facing, but God wants to show you that he is with you. He is with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. So when you're in the moments like this, what do you do? I want to encourage you to look for Jesus. In Luke 24, there's a story about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the story goes that Jesus had just been crucified and he was buried. Now, they had been with Jesus. They had heard his teaching. They had seen that the blind eyes were open, the deaf ears could hear, the lame could walk. They were a part of all of that. They heard what Jesus said about his kingdom that was coming, of his rule and reign. And they had their own assumptions about exactly what that meant. And they were very excited about all that was going to come because they were actually going to be part of it. But when Jesus died on the cross and he died, that was really confronting. It was confusing. It wasn't as they expected. It what had gone wrong? So now they felt that, well, it's just finished. Like all that he said, like it's, it's just not as they thought. They were disappointed. Have you ever been disappointed? Just thinking that, you know, 
something has started off really well. Like it was just amazing and it's just like, okay, so I'm now stepping into the rest of my life and, you know, it's going to be big, it's going to be wonderful, I'm going to be so excited every day of my life, it's just wonderful, wonderful. And then suddenly it just, it's just the end of the cliff. There's nothing. Something changes completely. And you wonder, where is God in the middle of all of this? What, what just happened? What, what, where? God? And then we read in Luke 24, we read where Jesus just joins them. But because of their disappointment, because of their confusion, because of their assumptions, they didn't actually realise that Jesus was with them, walking along, alongside of them, communicating with them. In your situation, whatever it is, look for Jesus. He's there. Look for the supports that come around your life. They are there. You won't be left without support. That's what the Word of God tells us. We won't ever, ever be left without support. What we need will be made available to us. But what we need may not come in the package that we had hoped that it would come in. But that's where trusting in God, in his power, in his goodness, and in his grace, in his wisdom, that's when that all needs to come into place. Because when things don't look, when life doesn't look like you had thought and you had hoped, God is still with you. And if you incline your ear, just as the disciples saw him and heard him, you will hear his voice to your very situation. He won't leave you. He will sustain you. Secondly, You need to watch the baggage that you cart around with you when you were in between. You were coming out of something and you're going in to the next stage or hoping that the next door opens. Watch the baggage that you are carrying. Do you know cynicism, sarcasm, resentment, bitterness... They are heavy loads to carry in your heart as you were trying to navigate into a new season. When you trust God and you say, okay, God, I don't understand this. I don't know uh, what's happening. I thought that this was going to take place, but obviously, no, something else is going to happen We need to make sure that bitterness doesn't creep in. Like all of a sudden, God, who is the good, good father, suddenly becomes the evil one. God is always good and he can never, never, never do evil. When our dad was um, diagnosed with cancer, the first time he was diagnosed with lung cancer... We had the miracle of all miracles because even though at first the doctor didn't think it was possible, he was able to have surgery to remove that cancerous part in his lung. 
we, I tell you, uh, I'm a cartwheeler, so I do cartwheels. Yay, God! You know, look, I'm one of these people that want to shout it from the rooftop. It's like just the most amazing thing. Like the doctor didn't think that that could work, but yay, God came through. And so when he got a second diagnosis of cancer a couple of years later, it was like, well, I just didn't think that was fair. Like, really? And then he got it into really big areas, like his liver and his pancreas. Really big areas. It's like, well, what is happening here? So you, you think, well, and pray for healing. God has all power. God is able. God is able. But do you know, we also know that sometimes things just do not work out as we had hoped. But God, in that journey from this diagnosis to the end when he left this earth and went to be with his saviour, in that eight weeks, once again, God's sustaining power was with us. We had the best. We, we weren't in lack. Every one of our steps were provided for. Our feet were steady and sure because even though we didn't like what was going on, God was with us. God was with us. God was with us. Why didn't he heal him? God was with us. God was with us. God was with us. He's healed now. He's in heaven. I'm sure he's singing power in the blood. Over and over, his big horse up there. Loves that song. Step by step. Step by step, step by step. God's power, wisdom and goodness is always there for us if we just look and we see. Where is your heart? What's it leaning to? Five years ago, I was up in um, Queensland for the Queensland floods I'm a chaplain and so I got called to that disaster area with a number of other people and in particular the area that we went to was Grantham and I think there were, in the Queensland floods, I think there were about 35 people killed tragically in those floods. In Grantham there were some deaths there as well and so as a chaplain we would go door knocking and we would just chat with people and we'd see how they were going. We'd bring some supplies if they needed that. And really, we just saw the devastation that had happened to a little town. It was huge. One of the first days that we arrived there, we began speaking to a family. And they lived next door to the situation I'm about to tell you. They said that the water came in and it was like an explosion in the house. There was mum, dad, a little girl, a little boy who was four and a little girl who was two. So with the explosion of water, it then sort of just pushed the family into different areas the, the father sort of ended up outside and there was a whole big story around about it. 
the little four-year-old boy and the little six-year-old girl were sort of pushed down into the bathroom area of the house. And so as the water was rising, this little boy was holding on to the shower hose. Amazing. Didn't think they were that strong. The little girl was in like a blow-up couch-type thing. She's sitting in that, the water's rising, and there they are. A little four-year-old boy is hanging on to the shower. The little girl's going up in the, in the couch. And the little girl's calling out saying, it's going to be all right, Dad's coming. Dad's coming, just hold on, hold on. And uh, she kept encouraging him. And anyway, it was some time later, after Dad had had just the most horrendous um, situation, he came back into the house fully believing that um, his children would have drowned. And he goes into the, the bathroom and... Anyway, he sees like his little girl in the, the blow-up couch, sees the little boy hanging on. And anyway, the little boy just says, Dad, Dad, we've been waiting for you. We knew you would come. I don't know where you are at today, but I'm telling you, your heavenly Father is going to come through. It may not look the way you thought, and it may... The circumstances around it may be very difficult. But your Heavenly Father is a good, good Father. And He's coming. He loves you. He will guide your steps. Just hold on. Please don't get bitter. Please don't get sarcastic. Don't get disillusioned so that you miss the fact that he is with you. He gives you sustaining power. I just think, how could a little four-year-old hang on for that long? I want to suggest that that's sustaining power. Sustaining power. And just as he, God has done that in my life over and over and over... He's the same God that wants to do that in your life as well. How about we sing that again, Joel?